Hello and welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast. In a few moments, I'm going to share an interview I did with Margaret Considine of Equita Consulting about the subject of bullying and harassment in the workplace. Margaret gives solid, practical advice on how to record and how to document evidence of the harassment. Key phrases that you should learn to keep handy when you sense a bully or a person doing the harassing is in the neighbourhood. You'll be so glad you listen to her if you find yourself in this situation or if you have a friend who's having a hard time with a bully or a person making unwanted advances that they don't know how to handle. A bully will do three things. They will explore a weakness in you. Is that a bit of weight you're carrying? Okay. Do all you people from Waterford drop your THs or whatever, do you know? They'll kind of explore some kind of weakness. Um, you didn't get your exams the first time, is that right? So they'll explore it. Then they'll exploit it. And then they'll expand it. So a little niggle that you might have about yourself. You know, and they're invasive enough to ask questions that, you know, you're probably honest enough to answer or that they know from some way they know in the workplace. And then what happens is by the time they get to that stage, it's nearly hard to stand up for yourself. But the only way to address a bully is to stand up to them. And, you know, when you're feeling bullied, you think I can't do that. But actually, bullies are cowards. Bullies are cowards. And that's the thing you've got to remember. Before I bring you the interview, a quick reminder that we are on the lookout for more of your stories of jaw-dropping comments. Well, we asked for your jaw-droppers a few weeks ago. You know, your tales of woe on the things that were said to you in the workplace or learning environment that you thought were totally inappropriate. We got some replies on air on Midday on TV3 and we also got some emails to jawdroppers at womeninleadership.ie. I'm bringing you just two today as they are both quite shocking. Here's the first one. I was once told by a lecturer while seeking clarity on a result I didn't agree with that some women come in here wearing low cut tops thinking they can get a better grade. I study sport and was wearing a hoodie and tracksuit bottoms. I've since deferred a year because the lecturer mentioned and a male student proceeded to bully me. I reported it to a lecturer, my year head, the course director and also the head of my department all of which failed to do anything or recognise my complaints as valid. I even ended up bringing them a doctor's certificate saying I was on anti-anxiety depression medication because of the bullying and yet nothing was done. Here's another. I worked in an organisation for 20 years. During my last pregnancy, I was subjected to terrible behaviour from my inline manager and members of the board of management. I repeatedly asked for an explanation as to why. Eventually, while on maternity leave and having had time to reflect, I decided to submit a case to the Equality Court. The company was taken over as I returned from maternity leave with the Equality case pending. Within a week, I was told explicitly by my new boss that they didn't want to take over our company due to my outstanding HR issues, but had no choice. I was shocked that he was so blatant in the admission. I knew it was only a matter of time before I would lose my job. Within five months, I was selected for redundancy, having been subjected to substantial isolation and reduction of duties. This ended with a Labour Court case, which I won hands down. However, while I gained the moral victory, I remain unemployed after almost four years. So there you are. This is what some women have to face. Now, though, here's some general advice from Margaret Considine of Equita Consulting in Dublin on how to cope with bullying and harassment in the workplace.
My name is Margaret Considine and I'm CEO of Equida Consulting and we specialise in bullying and harassment. So I'm a management specialist and what we found in our work was that while managers on one side of the business were trying to do really good work building businesses in tough times, but there was a lot of stuff getting in the way, i.e. the way managers were treating their staff, the way staff weren't engaged and that there was a huge amount of conflict. And behind a lot of that conflict, there was inappropriate management practices, a.k.a. bullying in some instances. How do you define bullying? Bullying is repeated inappropriate behaviour, either direct or indirect. So if I uh, slur your name, you know, out in the pub, that could still be bullying. It's indirect. It's repeated inappropriate behaviour, direct or indirect, that could reasonably be regarded to undermine your right to dignity at work. Dignity at work is a big thing Mm. with people, isn't it? Well, it's your right. You have the right to dignity at work. And every employer is obliged to have a policy in place at Dignity Work and the courts at the minute are taking very poor judgments on any employer that doesn't have a policy so you have to have a policy. I think that will come as a, a shock or certainly news to a lot of employees who are not getting what they would describe as dignity in, in, uh, in a job. How do you know if you're not being treated with dignity in a job? Well I suppose if you think of it if you go home at night and your work is still in your head in your bed So you can't get the people who are shouting at you, calling you names, treating you inappropriately, you know, being condescending to you in meetings, maybe expecting you to do things beyond your role, um, like, oh, I don't know, might be things like um, uh, warm that client up there kind of thing, you know, that top's too low or too high kind of thing. So just things that you think, no, I shouldn't be asked to do that kind of thing. Maybe a boss standing too close to you, subtle innuendo. Um, you look a bit like my wife uh, but better looking you know any chance kind of thing so or it can be male on male male on female Um, so there's there's two things I suppose to notice there's harassment and there's bullying and they are very different how are they different so harassment is a form of discrimination and it Sorry, what what sort of basis would somebody be enduring harassment? Yeah, so harassment has to be based on the nine grounds of discrimination. Now, here's the problem, I suppose. Oftentimes, people use the word harassment in the vernacular. So what I mean by that is, say, if um, uh, a 10-year-old is irritating an 8-year-old in the schoolyard, he might be following him around, you know, really wanting to be around him because he's a great pal or great friends. Well, you know... The young fellow might say, he's harassing me, but he's not really harassing him. What he's doing is he's following him. Now, that is not harassment in the legal definition in an employment context. So harassment is where one of the nine, using one of the nine grounds of discrimination, you treat somebody differently. So whether that is their civil status, their, their um, religion, their sexual orientation, there's nine of them. And basically, it has to be on one of those nine grounds. So you have to be treated differently than someone else. If you are in the workplace and you're being treated differently, what can you do about it, particularly if you are in in an underling, if I can use that word, Mm. uh, role and you don't want to threaten your job, perhaps? What can you do? Sure. Well, in these times, I mean, nobody wants to lose their job. There's too many people out of work. So a lot of people are suffering in silence. There's a lot of people that are seeing psychologists, psychiatrists. There's a lot of people attending support centres like the Trinity Bullying Centre or John of God's to cope with it. There's a lot of people having counselling sessions because they don't know where to go. Well, in the first instance, um, you need to record the incidents. You need to write down what's actually happening. You need to then if uh, report it to the employer but in a factual way. So having read the policy, have a look and see what is happening to me and where is that an affront? So which part of the policy does it relate to and, and, and is it an affront? There are people who can help you if you're not sure. When you say the policy, what policy are you talking about? Dignity at work. So a dignity at work policy. So in terms of if you have trouble in work, if you have problems in work, 
um, there's two two areas you go to. One, you go to grievance. A grievance policy says there's something wrong with my conditions, duties, nature of work or conditions of employment, i.e. they won't give me a, a chair suitable for my back. They're asking me to work in an office with no windows. I have a different contract to somebody else. Okay? They could all be a grievance. But Dignity at Work looks at harassment, sexual harassment and bullying. So they're kind of in two, they're in two tents. You give advice to employers and you've written several books. Can you tell us about those and how necessary are these books for managers? OK, well, I've, my last book is a book called um, Bullying and Harassment, Values and Best Practice. And I wrote that with Frank Scott Lennon. And what it does is it provides managers who are not experts in HR or law with the right things to do. In other words, not to make mistakes as they go along the process when it occurs. If you are perceiving yourself as a victim of bullying, what should you do? Okay, I mean, this is a very hard place for anybody to be. And let's be fair, you know, most people that have had a long career might have felt at some stage that they they hit it. So first thing you do is you record every incident. Try and start it with an active verb. Now, that might sound strange. So saw, delivered, determined, witnessed, you know, so that what actually occurred as opposed to I was walking down the corridor and I think he looked at me crooked. Okay, so record in actuality what occurred and make it factual. Put the date beside it. Put where it was and if there was anybody nearby. Could you give us a sort of uh, makey up but, you know, example of what that might be sound like? Yeah. So um, say you were at a management meeting and the you felt that the manager had been inappropriate to you at the meeting. So you're sitting at the. So I would say then when the meeting's over, you um, write your notes. So you say attended senior management meeting 11th of the 4th, commenced the second bullet point commenced 11.30. Um, uh, 11.45, uh, Joe Bloggs, uh, MD, stood up and stated, um, everyone in this room deserves to be here except that fool in the corner, that blonde fool, and I was the only blonde in the room. Okay. Okay. 11.47. Okay. Um, uh, two minutes later, uh, I was asked to do my presentation. I was nervous and shaking. I opened up uh, stuttering, stuttering. Um, this was because of the previous comment and I was given about 30 seconds before he said sit down you don't even deserve to be here okay. I felt inadequate I felt humiliated I felt that my colleagues were laughing at me and I left the meeting crying 11.51 Does stuff like that actually happen? Of course it does and worse I have seen people that are sitting in front of me that have tried to commit suicide they're showing me um, self-harm cuts on their legs, um, ties on their wrist where they've, they've tried to commit suicide. I mean, bullying seriously affects organisations. You cannot understand the amount of money that goes uh, wasted on inappropriate attempts at resolving bullying. So the amount of sick leave, the amount of unproductive time, the amount of time people spend writing their complaints, writing their responses, the colleagues that go with them to meetings, uh, the expense on mediators or investigators, um, and then, you know, the production of reports. An investigation could cost between twenty and 100000 depending on the number of witnesses. One case we had recently had 37 witnesses in it and went on over seven years, a repeated pattern of behaviour between two people in the workplace over a seven-year period. And it's amazing to think that nothing was done over a case of seven years. Well, it would have taken that long to resolve. But conflict spirals. That's the problem. In the first instance, conflict is always about the issue. You know, I didn't get the promotion. I was treated badly at that meeting. But in the second instance, it usually goes to, it's about the person. You know, and Jack did that to me. Okay, And then the third piece is, other things get remembered. I think I didn't get an invite to the Christmas party last year or I didn't get sitting at the right table or uh, I think they got a bigger bonus. The bo- guys all got a bigger bonus than the women sort of thing. Um, and then what happens is you get entrenchment because they start to talk because they need colleagues. They need to, 
to talk to people. So you get, you know, one group settling around one person and one group settling around another. And then you get entrenchment, polarisation, and it's really hard to dig yourself out of that. Okay, so you mentioned the impact on the organisation and the impact on the individual, but it must influence management families and it must certainly influence the families of the victim because Mm. they come home and they talk to the wife or the partner or the husband or the brother and sister or the mother or father. So it radiates out through the family, I presume. Of course it does. I mean, there are families sitting at home today, I'd say, that are in distress. You know, mum is out of work and has been out of work for six months. Now maybe our dad, now maybe her sick pay is running out. And they're going to have a leaner Christmas because of that. And, you know, the, the conflict has not been addressed appropriately. There are, there are hundreds of people, thousands of people in the workplace in Ireland at the minute that are out on stress claims or bullying claims um, and that all of their families are being affected. The other thing is to say that he who lodges the complaint first is called the complainant. The other person is called the respondent. But they're both in the conflict and they're both equally affected. So it's in people's interest to resolve bullying and harassment issues I presume oh absolutely well there's the people side of it get people back to work get them productive get them happy get them engaged get the issues out of the way I'm singularly amazed that when say in mediation when we boil down a lot of the issues that people are arguing about that a lot of the time it's just they're looking at it from different perspectives and there was a resolution there all along but they they weren't able to, to get it and mediation is just where parties that can't agree on something are helped to do to have that difficult conversation by a skilled interventionist a trained and practiced interventionist mediation is a very good way of resolving conflict quickly if it's very deep you'll need an investigation an employer by their policy has to follow a route so um so there's the people involved there's the problem itself and there's the process it's three p's what do you say to men and i say this you know advisedly but i've heard it said in workplaces men to say oh well it's just her and her hormones does that come up look do you know if you look at all the old programs mad men and stuff like that they used to say sure, women couldn't be in the workplace because you know there's a, a month and a week and a month where they can't work properly sort of thing their, their heads are melted i think we've gone past that i really do um, i think it's probably sad the amount of women that are not in the boardrooms, but I think at senior level, women have proven themselves throughout the world at this stage. So, no, I don't think so. But I do believe men and women are different, OK? But not, um, not, they're not inferior to each other, but we are different and we behave differently. And I think anybody who's ever worked in the workplace would accept that it is a diverse place. Okay. So there are women who have male characteristics and men who have female characteristics. So it's not even a sexist thing. But let's just, I suppose, say um, women have a tendency to show more of their emotions at times. Some women from and what I mean by that is they release their emotions like tears, like frustration. Um, they'll scream. But a man will lose his temper and he'll bang a fist or he'll shout and roar. Now, you know, you don't lose your temper, actually, just so you know, you find it. You lose everything else. Your dignity. Explain that to us. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't lose your temper. You find it, and you lose your dignity. You lose your respect. You lose your ability to keep your tongue in your mouth and not tell your boss exactly what you thought of him or your colleague, and usually you regret it afterwards. Okay, so it's usually as a response to some kind of anger or some kind of provocation. Most people don't lose their tempers in work. It's amazing. You could lose it at home, but we have enough self-control to manage to contain it in work. So something has usually happened that um, they just can't control it anymore. Usually the straw that broke the camel's back. But equally, there are many people who get away with really aggressive behaviours in work, in high-pressured jobs, like dealing desks and stuff like that. Chefs would be renowned for it. It becomes part of the culture, we'll say. Okay? Um, but within that culture, that's all acceptable until one person breaks the link. And if one person breaks the link, any 
man or woman who loses their temper or has emotional outbursts in the workplace runs the risk of um, having an affront to the, to the dignity of the work policy. I'm going to come back to the hormones question <laughs> <clears throat> because I've heard men say, well, it's just women and what do you expect? What do we need to do to help educate men? And I'm sorry for coming mm-hmm. from a feminist point of view, <laughs> but men, they need to be able to you know, make their own lives a bit easier as well and to avoid bullying situations or harassment situations. Yeah, yeah. What advice would you give to men who think like that, okay. that it's just her hormones? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, you can't change how people think except you know, through a very long process of re-education and behaviour modification. But where you hear something like that, you just have to not accept it. I mean, you can make a joke of it. I find humour is a great way of, of um, kind of educating people in some ways. So, I mean, the first instance you, you just stop it. You just say, guys, you can't say that. Don't be ridiculous. OK, that, that's, that's just ridiculous. Right? And what you then do, so you stop it first and then you say, that's not appropriate. OK, now here's... And I, wouldn't, and I wouldn't even go into defend. But that, that emotional piece that women have, that gives them a great connection. And that connection allows them to be much more empathic. And, and you know, to release emotions is a very good thing because we all have them and we all get under pressure. And in terms of resilience, I would say that the ability to show and demonstrate emotions as opposed to bigoted opinions is a far better use of time. Now, what I mean by that is it's context relevant. You know, you can't do it in front of your team. So, but if you go into the loo and you have a cry because something has really upset you, well, well and good. I do a lot of renegotiations with the banks at the moment, um, you know, with customers in distress. And that is very tough work. So, you know, you're not going to expect people not to be affected by that, but they have to have a certain level of resilience to do that. So uh, in terms of, of, um, of, say, talking to somebody who has that kind of opinion, first of all, I would just stop it. Second thing, you isolate them. So you just you don't let it become a gang thing where everybody's now starting to think this. OK, so you isolate them and say, now, that's that's 1920s. We're kind of a modern progressive organisation. Did you not read the company charter lately? For God's sake, what century are you watching? Are you, are you working in sort of thing? Um, and make it make a joke of it. And if they say something sort of um, like, Asher, you'd take a grip of me now if you could or something like that, you know, or if they put their arm around you and you didn't want that, you know, and here's the idea, I suppose, between what's banter and what's what's not banter, because that's an interesting thing. You know, in terms of discrimination, it's at the test of what's called the victim or the person on the receiving end. So if I don't think it's appropriate and I tell you once, that is enough notice. And one incidence is enough for you to be charged with sexual harassment. So usually when somebody gets a bit close to me or puts their arm around me or something, if I don't want it, what I'll say is, you know, Jack, the last time a man got that close to me, I married him. Be very careful. <laughs> You know, and just use humour to dispel it. But I write it down and I write down that I've warned it. OK, you know, m- most of us now just want to get on and, and do our work. We don't want complaints. We don't want allegations of bullying and harassment. We don't want grievances and conflicts. But by the same token, that is not um, a good excuse to put up with rubbish in the workplace. You don't have to. That was a great sentence. Can you give us other sentences that might help women say, like, I'm not comfortable with that? Or is there any other phrases, you know, because people sometimes, I think, need to rehearse these in front of a mirror if they're in the situation every day. And if it's been an ongoing situation and now you've decided I've had enough, I want to change this. What do you do? And because, you know, the reaction is going to be like, woo, do you know, like. What sort of sentences? Could you give us one or two that maybe yeah. just to nip this in the bud? Well, I, I, I will. But if I'll answer that question by answering another one first, if that's OK. <clears throat> first, I suppose what I would say to you is from having spoken with thousands of women who have been in, in bullying cases, what I would say is what happens is by the time they get the, the, the gumption to stand up to the person, they've been floored. The bully has pushed them to such a level that they nearly can't stand up for themselves anymore. A bully will do three things. They will explore a weakness in you. Is that a bit of weight you're carrying? Okay. Do all you people from Waterford drop your THs? 
or whatever, do you know? They'll kind of explore some kind of weakness. Um, you didn't get your exams the first time, is that right? So they'll explore it. Then they'll exploit it. And then they'll expand it. So a little niggle that you might have about yourself, you know, and they're invasive enough to ask questions that, you know, you're probably honest enough to answer or that they know from some way they know in the workplace. And then what happens is by the time they get to that stage, it's nearly hard to stand up for yourself. But the only way to address a bully is to stand up to them. And, you know, when you're feeling bullied, you think I can't do that. But actually, bullies are cowards. Bullies are cowards. And that's the thing you've got to remember. Okay, they're doing it because they can and they're doing it because the organisation is allowing them. So you need the company to protect you in terms of policies, and that's their job. And then you need to have, stand up for yourself. So the first time somebody says, you know, use inappropriate language to you, I would go, that's once. I go, what do you mean that's once? Okay, I'll have, so let's say they use an F word. Don't say that again. It's not appropriate in here. It's the workplace. You might have forgotten. I didn't. Okay? And then they go, woo, look at you, Miss Prim and Proper. And I go, that's twice. Okay. Now, th- that's an attributional label you've put on me. And if you don't know what that means, look it up. Okay? That's not your job. I want to do my job. You go do your job. Leave me alone. Okay? So, stand up in the moment. Nice, short, sharp sentences. And then they go off to the guys and, or, or the gangs or the women or whatever. And they'll say, look at her now. Look what she's up to. Whatever. You want to watch her. Your cards are marked. Okay? And you just walk high with your head high. And all you say is... I'm being treated, I'm going to be treated appropriately here. And what you do is you think in your head, think of the education your parents gave you. Think of how much you spent doing your studies at night. Think of how much bank loan you had in order to put yourself through college or through your job or how hard you fought to get your job. And just look at him or her and say, am I going to let them take that away from me? Not a hope in hell. So you get it right in your head first. Okay. Try and never be on your own with them. So what I mean by that is don't get stuck in a dark corner. If they're opting to go in a lift, you know, and you're the next person to hop in the lift and there's only the two of you and, you know, there'll be nobody to hear what he said or, or she said or done to you. Um, I would let the lift go down. He'd say, you're not getting in? And I'd say, no, not with you. Just be direct. Like Just that. be direct. No, not with you. Thanks. My space, I protect it. Thanks. I'll take the next lift. And then if he says, I'll wait for the next lift with you and he hops out and he'd say, oh, really? Okay. You following me? Okay. Mm. Uh, interesting. Okay. Keep that up and that's harassment. Now, that's ballsy talk. Yeah. If you're in a vulnerable situation and you feel on the edge of tears, that can be very, that little voice can be very hard to find. Look, it's tiny. That's the problem. And what I would say is write everything down. Okay. Write it down and talk to a friend. Um, Find somebody who can help you. Um, Get support because you need to get your confidence back. You really need to get your confidence back. Um, Look at your options and talk to HR. So, but before you talk to HR, Bring them something to work with. You don't necessarily have to go with the complaint because once you go with the complaint, they have to do something about it. But just say, I am not feeling comfortable in the way I'm being treated in work. Okay, and be open to options. Say, look, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm being sensitive. But, you know, the language and the behavior I'm getting, the shouting and roaring, the banging desks, I'm just finding it very hard to put up with and give it to them. Okay, and then say, look, would somebody have a word with her about this or somebody have a word with him about that? Because it's becoming unbearable for me and it's affecting my sleep. It's effect and tell them the effect, because the effect is very important when it comes to harassment, because the courts consider the effect it has on you. Okay, Um, it doesn't matter whether it's true or not. It considers the effect. Now, you first must make your case, but it may not you, you may not be able to prove it. But then they look at the effect. So if you're not sleeping, if you're on medication, if you're getting eczema, you know, if you're getting alopecia, um, you know, 
then all of those are effects. And, you know, anything where you're doing something you're not used to or where you're going home every night after work and you're so exhausted, you have to get into bed at seven o'clock and you're 30 or eight o'clock. That's not right. Or when you're looking forward to wine o'clock. Do you know what I mean by that? No, tell me. Nine o'clock and you have to take out the bottle of wine because you can't cope without it. So if every night you're pulling out a wine o'clock and that's not normal for you, then anywhere where there's a deviation for your normal pattern, watch out. Now, if you're sort of a quiet person and you want to get this voice, little voice, give it air, would you suggest practicing at home with somebody, practicing in front of the mirror, with the hairbrush yeah. like you do when you're a yes. kid? What, yeah. what would you recommend? So, yeah, well, what I'd suggest is take the last three incidents that occurred or the incidents that are repeated, okay, and pick your battles. So say if they're doing, say, to snide comments at a meeting, they're going like this, tuts or something. And you can't, you know, it's insidious. You can't really pinpoint it. They're not really doing anything direct at you, Okay. Um, I would label it. So what I would say is, okay, the next time he does that, I will, if it's not, you know, I would say to him, um, would I get you a glass, a glass of water? Have you something caught in your throat? And he said, no. Okay. Oh, just every time I speak, you have a, you have a tut. So I thought maybe you had a, yeah, you had a croak in your throat. Said, That's fine. So label it because a bully needs to be challenged. This is the thing. Running away will never get rid of bullying. You know, so... Take three things that they've been doing lately and figure out a little coping mechanism for you, okay, to stand up. And it might only be something that you acknowledge it. Or what do I mean by that? So he does it and you you, you look at him or her. You put your hand up and I'm putting my hand up to you now, just sort of gently to microphone height. And you just write down something. And you'll suddenly see, he'll be saying, what are you writing? I say, I'm just writing a note of what's occurring. These are my notes. My meeting, my notes. Okay. And you just suddenly start to change the dynamics of the game. Never leave your notebook in your drawer. Bring it in your handbag. Okay, very good. And if you're a man, you put it in your back pocket, I presume. Yes, yeah. Margaret, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap? Um, what I would say to, um, to anybody that's experiencing bullying, get help. Don't try and suffer it on your own. Um, talk to a friend, talk to an expert. Uh, and in the final case, talk to a legal expert. But you don't necessarily have to talk to a legal expert. But get help because it, it won't go away. Is there further information on your website? Can you tell us about that? Yes, um, you can check us out on www.equita.ie. We've put together a free resource for anyone in the workplace who's experiencing uh, conflict. And it's workplacebullying.ie. That was Margaret Constein of Equita Consulting in Dublin. That's all from this edition of Women in Leadership. You can email us at womeninleadership.ie and listen to our regular podcasts via the website womeninleadership.ie or follow us on iTunes. If you'd like to sponsor the podcast, do email us or get in touch on Twitter. We also want to know of anyone else you'd like to hear from, any inspirational woman that you'd just love to know. How did she get that job or how did she make it against the odds in that business or walk of life? Until the next time, have a good week and remember women are 51% of the population and deserve their place at the table where decisions are made that affect their lives.
your response and advice for these women on a positive note only, please, you can email to the address info at womeninleadership.ie or further comments to jawdroppers at womeninleadership.ie. So if a complaint comes to a manager's desk... Until the next time, have a good week. And remember, women are 51% of the population and they deserve their place at the table where decisions are made that affect their lives. Until the next time, take care. So employers should, in the first instance, try and resolve the conflict locally. Second thing they should try and do is they should get the parties talking, in other words. Second thing they should do is they should intervene as line managers. Now, here's the problem. Most line managers are not skilled enough to do that and they run away because they don't want to be involved, they don't want to be cited as a witness or they favour one side more than the other or they try and do some kind of little shuttle negotiations. Ah, you know, this is only Jim, this is the way he does that. He does that to all the girls, don't worry about it. But actually that's not good enough. Okay, so uh, CIPD research found that line managers that didn't know what they were doing intervened inappropriately and they spiralled the conflict they made it worse in fact I was doing a mediation only last week where the sole cause of the conflict was how management had handled it so what can managers do they need to be skilled they have a professional duty of care to be skilled to intervene in people's lives they have a scalpel in their hand when they're dealing with conflict and people are not rational when they're in conflict so if I'm feeling hurt or if I'm feeling victimised or if I'm feeling discriminated against or if I'm feeling bullied Okay, I'm in a vulnerable position. Okay? And if it's true, because it's not always true, um, and if it's not true, it could be two things. One, it just, it just not, might not hit the tests for bullying, because there are tests for it, or it might be a malicious complaint. Uh, and there are very few of those, but there are. In the last three years, we've had six malicious complaints in our investigation. So there are findings of malicious complaints. So that might be where somebody decides they just don't like their boss and they want to get them out of their job, or they... they you know, have a strong personality clash with somebody and they just don't want them to be working with them so they want to get them moved so they make a complaint against them. Um, good investigators will find that. So line managers, effectively, what I'm saying is they need to skill themselves up in how to handle conflict. And what's in your book that can help them? Okay, it tells them uh, what each of those um, elements are, what bullying is, what harassment is, what sexual harassment is. It tells them the underlying principles of dignity at work. It tells them how to conduct a meeting with a complainant. It tells them how to conduct a meeting with the respondent, how to take their notes, how to formulate it and how to, how to formulate a case file should they ever need it in a, ca- in a court case later on.